0: But anyway, I'm not actually here to recap conference. I want to share what I really feel God's saying to all of us. And the, and the thought that I have today and what I've titled our talk is get your L-plates on. Get your L-plates on. Now, if you don't know what this is, this is an L-plate that you're meant to put on your car when you've got your learner's license. Okay, That you're meant to put on your car with you've got your learner's license. Now, I know that we have even youth in the church. This will shock you. This will really shock you who have had their learner's license for like years and years and they've owned the car and they've been driving around like they've been on their full the whole time when they're meant to have this on the back. And you know why you don't have this on the back is because when the policeman drives past and you've got this on your back and you've got five people in your car and you're breaking the law, you don't get pulled over. Okay, but today we're talking about having our plates on spiritually. Okay, because I believe God is taking us all on a journey together. And, and one of the things that Pastor Alan said, and it's so true, is he said, we're all learners. We're all learners together. Because a disciple in the Greek, that word disciple actually means learner. And see, as disciples of Jesus Christ, we learn about God and what he wants us to do. And then we need to do something about it. Because disciples not only hear, they learn and then they do. See, hearing from God, like we did over conference, should cause us to think a little bit. Isn't that right? And that, call, that thinking should cause us to start learning. But a, a true disciple goes from learning to doing. And I want to say this morning, this is what we're learning. We're learning together to do. We're learning together to start outworking what God is saying to us. Now, one statement that got shared a lot at conference over and over again is, None of us have it all together, but together we have it all. And I want to say as a church, together we can truly change the city. Together we can make a change. Together we can make a difference. And that is what together as we learn, we're going to grow and we're going to start seeing change. So the two themes that I really felt God saying, and it wasn't through one message, it was through many messages, was number one, we need to be light in the darkness. And almost the second step in that, in being light, is number two, is we need to take the presence and the power of Jesus with us as we go. So right now, when you're thinking of salt and, and light, you think of Matthew chapter 5, right? You think of you know, that verse. So it's up on the screens there, Matthew 5, verse 13. I'm just going to put this here. So you can remember that, and I might even give it away to James or somebody who's still got their learner's license and driving around there. I don't know if James does, actually, but I know there will be people, but we'll get to that. Anyway, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hid, hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. You know, just like in the time of Noah and the time of Daniel, our world is in a bad place. It is perverse, and it's getting worse and worse. And as Christians, we have three responses to this. We can have one of three responses. You know, we can choose to blend in. And so like on a Sunday, we're hands raised, we're praying in tongues, we're this committed Christian. Even at home, we've got this personal relationship with God. But then during the week, we just blend in. It's like we're a spiritual schizophrenic. You know, one moment we're like this, and the next minute we're just the same as everyone else. And that can be one response that we have, is that we're not being light at all. We're just blending in. A second response that we can have to this verse is, oh man, the world is bad. That is bad out there. So I'm going to remove myself. I'm going to stay as far away from the world as I can because I don't want to have what they want. And so you know what we do? We be light with light. And so we just be a whole lot of lights together and we're bringing light to light. And we're making no difference at all. But we're not getting affected by the world. And see, that's where that part about you you are the salt of the earth is really important because salt, back in Bible times, wasn't used to flavour. It was used to preserve. It was used to keep and restore. And, And see, what this verse is actually saying is... God is looking down at the world and saying, actually, we need to see it come back to its right place. We need to be out there and preserving and restoring. That's our role. But if we're not out in the world, we lose our saltiness. We're no good. We lose our compassion for the world. And we're just hiding in little groups of Christians being together and being light and light. And we lose our heart for the lost. We lose our heart for the broken. And that's what, not what God's asking us to do either. So we can either blend in or we can remove ourselves or there's a third option. We can be light. We can be salt and we can make a difference. And I think Noah is a great example of this because he didn't blend in or try to hide but God chose him to do something truly amazing. If you want to turn to Genesis chapter 6, verse 9, we're going to look at Noah for a moment. What's... What I love about this is God in Genesis 6, he looks down and goes, that world is bad. I'm going to destroy it. He's going to flood the whole world. And yet he sees Noah and Noah grabs his favour. And what made Noah stand out from anyone else? But Noah found favour in the eyes of the Lord, it says. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. See, not only did Noah have an intimacy with God, But he walked in righteousness. He walked in holiness. He walked in purity. If you look at Job 8 verse 5 and 6, it says, then this is talking to Job, but if you pray to God and seek the favor of the Almighty, and if you are pure and live with integrity, are you hearing those words? He will surely rise up and restore you to the prosperous state. You know, if we are going to be noticed, if we're going to stand out in the world, if we're going to be light or salt We can't be the same. Just because everyone drives around with their learner's license doesn't mean it's right. We need to be different. Just because everyone else is doing it doesn't mean we should be doing it too. So what does that really look like? Well, let me just get a little bit deeper into the actual examples of it. See, we're not going to change anyone by just having a good bumper sticker on the back of our car saying, Jesus saves like these it's not going to make any difference you know that that van is not going to change anyone you know you know what I mean I don't think anyone's gone to heaven because of that van I do like that bumper sticker though honk if you love Jesus text if you want to see it that's pretty witty that's pretty good but wearing a t-shirt wearing conference t-shirt to church uh, to work isn't going to help anyone get saved unless you're willing to one be different and stand out and two talk about Jesus So what does it look like? What do we really do? Well, first of all, Mike alluded to it when he talked about cakey. Sex before marriage is not good. The Bible is very clear about it. Sex outside of marriage is not God's blueprint for life. And why? Because God wants the best for you. God isn't a killjoy. God doesn't want to remove fun from your life. God wants you the best. And you know what's really interesting? I don't think I've had this ever before in the 14 years of being a pastor. In the last week, I've had two couples come to me, and I've been counselling both of them, both around the area of sexuality in their marriage because they've broken God's laws. Why? God wants the best for you. Just like I said, if you walk according to his word, you'll have the open heaven above you. And then people will also start noticing you. Why? What's different about you? Why do you stand out? Because you've got something different. But we have to live according to the word. Now, I'm not, I haven't come to convict. I've come to inspire. If we walk integrity, we can bring change. We can be the light in the darkness. God does have the best for us. And he wants you to have the best marriage or relationships or families possible. But you've got to live according to his book. You know, another example of this is language. Man, Jody and I talk about it a lot. We're just shocked at some of the language we're hearing today. But we're not shocked about the language we're hearing on TV or the language we're hearing on building sites. We're actually shocked about the language we're hearing inside the church. And why am I saying that? Because our language should stand us apart. We're not using dirty words or telling dirty jokes. We're standing apart because actually we don't need that stuff. We don't need that stuff at all. But And, and a real example and why I've brought this in here, we were talking to Joel Home during conference, Jody and I, and he's got a son. His son-in-law is actually a big top Hollywood producer. And he's got this big team of Christians. He's got a company and got the best people and they're all Christians. They've created this great environment. But they've got this challenge. How can we be salt and light in Hollywood? Because if we carry around a big Bible every day and have Jesus saves on the back of our car, it's going to affect our ability to actually make a difference in Hollywood. And what it turns out is actually it's not that hard for them to be a witness because they go into meetings, and at the end of the meeting, they'll have people come to them and their team and say, what's different about you? Because their language is completely different. And that is huge. It speaks to them. You know, I was talking to a Christian builder just during the week, and he was saying, you know, here's new guys come on the building site. And by the end of the day, they know there's something different because there's... There's a whole lot of bad words that are missing. And the truth is, we don't need those bad words. And it stands out, and that's light in the darkness. Jody and I, we, uh, oh, it was our anniversary the other day. I do remember. It was actually April the 10th. There we go. Look, I do remember. That's not bad. But anyway, it was the anniversary, and we were like, what are we going to do? And we thought, well, we haven't done it in years and years and years because we want to protect our eyes from the things that we watch. We actually went to the movies. And, you know, we hadn't been to the movies for so long that Jodie didn't even know what to do with a ticket. So we got the tickets, and and she just went straight to go into the cinema. And I was like, you've got to give the ticket to the guy. So she just gives them the ticket to the uh, guy. No, you've got to rip it. She just had no idea. Why? Because we choose not to do those things. Now, I'm not here to tell you what to do and what not to do, but if we're going to be salt and light, we have to be different in the world, but different from the world. Just the same as drinking. You can all have your own stance on alcohol. I'm not telling you what you should or you shouldn't do. But you know, if you're choosing not to drink because you've got a stand, and when they ask about it, you go, oh, I'm just being the sober driver. No, 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 you don't say that. say, no, I've actually got a conviction in my spirit that I don't want to touch that stuff because I want to set example to my family because I want to be different from that stuff and I don't need that because I define the party. Isn't that right? But that's what we've got to be thinking about is how do we live? You take Daniel, for example. You look at Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the Bible and you read through the book of Daniel and these scriptures up here will show you they stood out. They went along to their universities. I was just in the city at the AUT campus. And, you know, Daniel went to the universities of those days, but he stood out. He chose not to eat their food. He chose not to do what they did. And what did God do? God blessed them. They stood out. It says here they had an unusual aptitude for understanding every aspect of literature and wisdom. Man, that's what we want to be saying about us. Not because we're smart, but because God is in us and He's giving us the ability I love all those verses there. you know they had the ability and it filled with divine knowledge and understanding. they were more capable than all the other administrators in high offices that's what wants to be said about you and your workplace not because you're amazing but because God is amazing because God is in us, God is working with us and we want to stand out and be different isn't that right? and we want to be there and this is kind of almost coming along the lines to the next thought, but You know, God made the earth amazing, and He has that standard. God has all the wisdom, all the creativity, all the productivity, all the excellence you'll ever need in your workplace. And if you choose to bring God with you, you will stand out, and people will start asking questions, and you'll be able to be light and salt in the darkness. You know, just like Joseph, we are called to be influencers, not just in politics, but also in policies, but we can't do that on our own. We've got to do it with God, which leads me to the second area that we're learning about. And that is bringing God's presence and power with us. I loved it when Pastor Alan was up here and he talked about the fact that the Quakers, you know, or the Holy Rollers, and let me explain that to you. They were called Quakers because they would get into church and the presence would fall and they would quake and they would shake. Or they would fall out under the power of God and they would roll around the place. But you know what? He shared a story about how they got up from that and went out and made Cadbury chocolate. They actually started the factory. Well, I thought, well, I better check that this is the truth because sometimes you can't always be sure. You know, you've got to check that what's coming from the pulpit. So let me tell you. Actually, the Quakers or the Holy Rollers, they started over 100 businesses at that time. And if you lived in the UK and you looked through the list of all the things they started, you would go, well, these guys actually kick-started the UK economy back in that day. Not only did they start Barclays Bank, they started Lloyds Bank. Not only did they start Cadbury's, they actually started the Sony whole technology side of things. Um, Huntley and Palmer's Crackers, that's from the Quakers. And why am I telling you all this? Because the truth is, we need to be getting impacted by the power of God in church and going out there and changing the world. You know, I want to see more holy rollers happening today. I want to see people being hit by the power of God, rolling around the floor, and then getting up and going and making a difference out there. Now, if you're just getting touched by the power of God to bless you and you're not even being light, oh, oh, what a waste. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? But I feel God saying, hey, we're all on a journey together of learning, of saying, God, we've got our plates on because we need your power. We need to get your power back. And this really hit me. I had the opportunity to go over to the kids' conference twice, twice. And I was there, and I was praying for them. And the presence of God was so strong, and they didn't know what to do. And that's when it dawned on me. My son, Zach, who's six, who's pretty much in church, every Sunday of his life, I'm just wondering, How often has he seen somebody slain in the Spirit? How often has he seen somebody pick up a crutch and say, I don't need this anymore because God has healed me? You know, How often has he heard laughing happening over in a corner somewhere and going, Daddy, what's going on? And you're thinking, Sam, are you just after the manifestations of the Spirit? Well, no, I'm not. But let me give you this example. If you stand in front of a Big Mac truck and it starts rolling, you're going to fall flat. Isn't that right? You're going to be knocked over by it. Well, just imagine if the creator of the universe comes and touches you. Uh, isn't there going to be some, something that's going to happen? And, and what I'm saying is we actually need to be getting touched by the power of God. Because if we're not seeing it in here, how are we going to see it out there? If we're not getting touched by the power and being changed in here, how are we going to change our businesses and our workplaces? Now, I'm not saying I want to see this altar full with people just laying in the Spirit and sleeping under the power of God. No, I want to see God moving so that we can see Him moving out there. I want to see a place where we're expecting stuff to start happening. You know, I am so stirred about the fact that our generations need to be coming into church and seeing God move. I, I'm really stirred about our kids and saying they need to know how to soak under the presence of God. They need to have encounters with God so that it doesn't matter what happens at high school or university, they know God's real because they cannot argue with an experience. And I know that's true for me because from the ages of about 8 to 12 down in the South Island, we went to a little church and God moved. And I, was, I would say now looking back, it was like there was an open heaven. There was just this presence and power of God. It was amazing. And I thought that was normal. But now, looking back, it's not normal, but it should be normal. And our expectation should be that that's normal, that the presence of God is so close and so strong that we come to church every Sunday and we are shocked if we only hear about three miracles. You know, We're absolutely shocked if we don't hear about testimonies of God breaking out in the workplace. I shared in the city just before, and I really do, I, I think we're going to get to a day because we're going to be learning this together. We're going to, people are going to start turning up to church and they're going to turn up early because they've got stories to share with other people about how they went out to their workplace Monday to Saturday and God did something. They had a word of knowledge about somebody's brother that they didn't know and something happened. They heard about, they heard about a sickness and they prayed their best prayer. Jesus healed them. And they kept their eyes open, and God turned up. You, you know what I'm saying? We're going to start seeing it, but we have to have that expectation. You know, my take is, is: we are Pentecostal. We believe in the power of God, and it's time we started seeing it more. I'm not saying that we don't see it. I'm saying we need to have it to a place where actually we're expecting it. Now, I want us to get to a place, and we're in this learning, a journey of learning together. Where anyone starts praying for somebody, and they see that somebody's been prayed for, and your immediate thought is quickly, I'm going to go and stand behind them, just in case something happens. Do do you know what I'm saying? Because we're expecting God to do something. You know, we're really having that attitude. I, I, I love growing up, and you know, even in the small church, I'd, I'd seen a number of times where I saw legs lengthened. And it was almost exciting when somebody new came to church and they had some back issue or something like that and somebody was praying for them. And Oh, can we just check out? Oh, yeah, you've got one leg shorter than the other. Oh, church, come around. And we, we didn't have big cameras or anything. And so people gathered around and you, what did you see? You saw the leg lengthen. And that was normal. And it should be normal. You know, we don't read through the Gospels that Jesus had a lot of church services and here and there God turned up. No, God turned up everywhere because He was with us. He was in us. He was moving. He was shaking. He was bringing change. And that is my heart, is we need to be doing that. Now, I'm totally off my notes here, but um, just back to this thought. I love the fact that the first mention of anyone getting filled with the Holy Spirit, and we heard it over conference, but we need to grab this. The first mention of anyone getting filled with the Holy Spirit was in Exodus with Bazaar. I think I'm saying it right. But anyway, you see this verse up here. This is God saying, I have specifically chosen Bazal. I have filled him with the Spirit of God, giving him great wisdom, ability, and expertise in all kinds of crafts or building. It wasn't to be a pastor. It was to be out in the workplace and take the power of God. And whether you are called to be a kingdom ninja a teacher, or you're an accountant, or an IT worker, or a builder, whatever you're called to, we should have the power of God working and moving on us every day. Not just making us better in the workplace, but also seeing healings and miracles. And if we have that outplates plates on, we're gonna have the grace of God with us. We're gonna be God's grace is gonna be with us to be able to bring that change and make a difference. And that is my heart, is together we can start making a massive difference. We can start really bringing change. And I really believe that what we see in the book of Acts, what we read about is going to start happening again. Acts 2 verse 17 clearly says, and this is God saying, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. We are meant for the power of God. You know, in, the, in, in John and in Acts 1, Jesus tells them, wait. Wait to receive the power and then go out. I think we're trying to go out and convince them that God's real through words. But the Bible doesn't say that. Actually, I, I think it's in my notes somewhere. But anyway, that verse it wasn't through persuasive words. It was through the demonstration of my power. It's through the demonstration of my reality. And we have to be seeing it. And it starts with being light. It starts with walking right with God. And from there, it's saying, God, come with me. Let me have that intimacy. Let me bring that change. You know, we are going to start bringing change. We're going to start seeing lives changed. And we're on a journey together of doing it. You know, just this week. Even though it's been so interrupted, I prayed for two people who just happened to come to church and I'm like, man, it doesn't often happen because, you know, I've got this really stink job. I've got this stink job because I'm filled, I'm surrounded by Christians. It's really bad. I love church, but the truth is I think they're all saved at the office. When people ask me, do I enjoy working for church? I say, yes, but... I missed that contact. I missed that contact. But anyway, I p- was able to pray for two people. They just randomly walked up and happened to, I connected with them. But then the third person on Friday, I was preparing the message and the receptionist rung me up and said, hey, can you come down? I'm like, no, I'm really busy. No, that's what I thought. I didn't say it. I went down there and I spent about 45 minutes with this lady and just counseled her and prayed with her. And then I asked her, look, do you need to get right with God? And just then, on a Friday afternoon, her to Christ. And that experience is available for every single one of you. You just have to be willing. You just have to be willing to take the presence of God with you. And, and it will be easy. It will be easy. I'm not saying it's going to happen every day because for me, that's the first time it's actually happened during the week in a long time. But it will happen. And that's the overflow of conference. So as the musicians come, I want to finish with this thought. There's a verse in Acts 18, verse 7 and 8, and I, I want to prophesy it to all of us because this is what I see happening. This is what I see about to break out. Then Paul left the synagogue. Then Gareth Bryant left the church. Are you, are you, are you reading that right? Then you left the church, and where did you go? You went next door. You went to your next door neighbor, you went to your school, you went to your workplace. Are are you seeing this? God does, does something here and then you go out there and then the revival breaks out. You see what happens? They get saved, they get baptized, the family gets turned around. But it's not when you come in here. We come in here to receive the power and then go. And the truth is, God wants to do more miracles out there than actually does want to do it in here. But if we're not seeing it in here, I don't think we're going to have the faith or expectation to even try it out there. So right now, I want us to stand to our feet if that's okay. And in this moment, I just sense God's going to do something. And we're going to sing that song, Fullness from the Bridge. I just want you to close your eyes, because now is the time for us to say, Holy Spirit, we need you to come. We need you to come, we need you to show up, we need you to move in this place. So I I want everyone just to close their eyes right across this room and if you don't know the words, just allow God to just come and touch you.